Chapter 18, The Atlantic System in Africa, from 1550 to 1800. First, we'll start by talking about plantations in the West Indies. The West Indies were the first place reached by conquest. It was where Christopher Columbus had his first sight of America. By 1650, these islands were the major center of the Atlantic economy. But first, we'll talk about colonization before 1650. So, the West Indies were the first focus of colonization. 1500 was around the time when Spanish settlers introduced sugarcane cultivation uh, to these islands. And by from the 1620s to the 1630s, the English and the French settled many of the Antilles islands. Um, the English colonies, though, were the first to prosper, and they did this by producing tobacco. Tobacco was a plant that had been used by the Amerindians already, and it was an American crop. In the 1600s, it really took off because European markets started craving it, um, because Europeans were starting to smoke it heavily. Um, the first tobacco colonies suffered greatly, though, from diseases, hurricanes, and natives' attacks, and they also had shortages of supplies and labor. Um, they, uh, they struggled at the beginning, but then eventually they turned to profit as soon as they made improvements. The chartered companies are groups of private investors who paid an annual fee to England and France in exchange for a monopoly over trade to the West Indian colonies. Um, so these government, these chartered companies were given allowance by the government to settle in these lands, and they also provided passage for poor Europeans in exchange for work. So there you have the indentured servitude starting. Um, so the Caribbean Tobacco Company had really big competition with the company in Virginia that also produced tobacco. The result. Um, and Virginia had better climates and better uh, conditions to grow tobacco. Um, so the result was that the Caribbean companies switched to sugar over tobacco, as well as slaves over indentured servants, because they still needed to make a profit. The Portuguese were the first to set up the African labor system, and they were the ones who got rich from sugar first. So maybe the um, the English were slightly uh, slower to switch from tobacco to sugar, um, but the Portuguese made the change. Um, in the 1560s, Dutch Protestants began to rebel um, uh, to their Spanish overlords, and in 1580, the Spanish king Philip II inherits the throne of Portugal, and he bars the Dutch from the Bra from Brazil's sugar business. Um, this was a big mistake, though, because in 1621, the Dutch government uh, chartered the Dutch West India Company, a huge company, which led an attack on key sh sugar ports such as Salvador. The Dutch really established themselves and profited greatly. But this was short-lived because by 1654, they they were kind of out of it. Um, in 1640, the Portuguese got rid of the Spanish by forcing... Uh, by focusing on sugar in Brazil and also modernizing the industry and the industrial aspects of making sugar. Um, also note that the Dutch still had its company's headquarters in West Africa, so they were only out of the Caribbean islands, but they were still kind of involved in trade in the, in the Atlantic region. So sugar and slaves. Um, Dutch expertise and money revived the French, the French colonies of Guadalupe and Martin. Martinique. Um, the English colony of Barbados was ex exported up to 15,000 tons of sugar per year. It was the wealthiest and most populous of England's American colonies. 
But through this very successful economic aspect, there was also a lot of uh, negative effects on the environment. Barbados was now almost completely deforested. And the result that this made was that the soil became eroded, the rivers were all filled with silt, and the fields were exhausted of all nutrients because the farmers weren't properly rotating their crops. Um, uh, slaves at this time were mostly all being transported to, to the Caribbean, so none really to the American mainland yet, and if so, very little. Um, the Caribbean sugar plantations switched switched to slaves because land prices were going up in the Caribbean um, because of all of the interest in this region, and so the indentured servants could no longer afford to come, which was why slaves began to become more began to become cheaper. So they made the switch to slavery. Uh, plantation life in the 18th century. France and England took over old Spanish colonies for more land, so the Spanish were slowly fading out. An example that shows this is that the English got Jamaica and also Havana, Cuba, but that was only for a year, and the French got the western half of Hispaniola. Um, the French colony of Saint-Dominique, uh, um, uh, was which is present-day Haiti, it became, became the greatest producer of sugar in the Atlantic, so the French were also seeing success in the New World. Technology and environment. So sugar production has two aspects, agricultural and industrial. Growing and harvesting of sugar uh, crops, sugar cane, requires simple tools such as spades, hoes, and machetes, but producing sugar is a lot more complex. First, mills have to crush and extract the juice from the plant. Um, then the excess water has to be boiled off of sugar of the cane juice, and then the syrup has to be poured into molds so it can harden into sugar. And all of this takes place in a pretty big space where they have multiple, um, a huge facility with multiple stations, probably about 18, where the sugar goes from one step to the next. And this required many slaves to, to run such a complicated procedure. Um, small mills uh, often used uh, used animals and laborers' power in order to power them, whereas large mills used wind and water power, so they were more technolo technologically advanced. Um, the environmental impact that these sugar mills and production um, factories uh, caused was that forests had to be cleared to make them, to build them on, and also the nutrients in the soil were depleted, like I said, because obviously everyone's only growing this one crop, so farmers aren't um, getting a lot of diversity. Um, also, non-native plants and animals um, were introduced. Cattle, pigs, and sheep transformed the land. Um, also, bananas and plantains uh, are brought from the Canary from the Canary Islands, as well as okra, black-eyed peas, yams, grains, and mangoes, which are brought from Africa. So the natural plants and environment is no longer really intact. Um, the slaves' lives now. On to this next topic. Um, in the 1700s, the West the West Indies plantation colonies was the world's most polarized society. 90% of or more of the population was black, and then the small percent of white people was known as uh, were part of two groups, either the plantocracy, which is a small number of very rich men who owned most of the slaves and, me and land, and then the middle white group, 
um, who made up estate managers, government officials, artisans, and small farmers. Um, the profitability of a colony depended on getting as much work out of slaves as possible, and this was very unfortunate. Um, productivity was gotten through threat and force. Uh, two per two to three percent of the slaves were house servants. Um, seventy percent of the slaves were in the fields, and those slaves who were in the fields were in one of three labor labor gangs. Uh, the great gang was the strongest group of strongest slaves who were in the prime of their lives. The great gang did the hardest work. The second gang was made up of youths, elders, and less fit slaves, which did less hard work. And the third gang, known as the Grass Gang, was made up of children under the supervision of elderly slaves. Uh, the Grass Gang was responsible for weeding and doing simple work. Um, two, two times the amount of slaves are men than are women, but half of the men don't do gang work. They Instead, they tend livestock, they are um, artisans, and, sugar, and they also work in the sugar-making process, so running the huge sugar facilities. A driver was a privileged male slave whose job was to ensure that a slave gang did its work on a, po- on a plantation. Um, whoever was chosen to be the driver was a very lucky man in compared to the others. Uh, skilled slaves often got better food and clothes, um, but this, uh, shouldn't, uh, this shouldn't be your interpretation of how they got work done, though, or how they were encouraged to work, because most of the encouragement came from the fear of the lash, which was used very often. Uh, breaks for the slaves were rare, education non-existent, and family time was fully inadequate. Uh, population growth was severely hindered by the slaves having to work too hard and the high mortality rate that was seen in infants. Um, the life expectancy in Brazil of slaves at this time period was only 23 for males and 25.5 for females. Um, but the greatest killer was, of course, disease. Although the harsh conditions greatly shortened lives too, dysentery was extremely common and it was caused by contaminated food and water. Um, in addition to all these terrible hardships, new slaves often went through something known as seasoning. Um, this was an oft- often difficult period of adjustment to new climate, disease environments, and work routines. Um, uh, diseases uh, were sometimes also brought with the slaves from Africa, so many died from malaria, and also many had yaws, which was... Um, which was what more than one half of the debilitated slaves on a plantation would have had at a time. And yaws is a painful skin disease, which is common in Africa. Um, North America was the only place in which slaves naturally started to increase. In the Caribbean, they just had to keep getting shipped in more and more because um, they weren't naturally increasing due to their short lifespans. Uh, yeah, there was a constant need for planters in the Caribbean to replace their dead slaves. Um, therefore, the majority of slaves on the West Indian plantations were African-born, so not many of them could be considered like Caribbean or American, and so they all came with their African religious beliefs, patterns of speech, styles of address, and adornment in music. Um, but you should note that slaves in the West Indies often tried to get their freedom. Um, so they either did ran away individually or they sometimes had big rebellions. An example of a big rebellion was when Taki, who was a former chief on the Gold Coast of Africa, but then a slave, led a large rebellion in Jamaica in 1760. 
um, they, he had several slaves, he had many slaves from multiple plantations joining in, and they managed to attack several plantations and kill multiple families, burning down houses and stuff like that. Um, but then Tacky died in the process, and three of his lieutenants who were captured were killed by the cruelest torture. Um, European planters and often believe that slaves with the strongest African heritages staged rebellions. So they tried to suppress African culture because of this. Um, so slaves had to, were forced to learn colonial language, and groups of slaves were de- deliberately mixed from different parts of Africa. Um, they were also encouraged to adopt Catholic religious practices. Um, yet, African beliefs and culture still remain strong. So these changes, um, although... Although they were effective, they ultimately didn't ta- they weren't able to take the culture of the slaves away. On to free whites and free blacks. So the lives of free people are very different from the lives of slaves in the Caribbean colonies. Um, in the in uh, Saint Dominique Saint Domin, in Saint for example, the French colony, there's three categories of free people. The first is the wealthy owners of large sugar plantations. Um, they were known as the Grands Blancs or grand, or Great Whites, and they dominated the economy and society of the island. The second group was the less well-off Europeans or Petit Blancs, Little Whites. They served as colonial officials, retail merchants, or small-scale agriculturalists, uh, yet some of them still owned slaves. And the third group of free people was Free Blacks. Um, they were almost as numerous as Free Whites, um, some even owned uh, property and slaves themselves, so black people could own slaves. Um, West Indian planters were reputedly the wealthiest Englishmen of this time. Their wealth uh, gave them political power and social prestige. The richest planters would control their plantations while still living in England. Um, these people made up a large, or many made up a part of the British par- Parliament. Um, yet those planters who still lived in the colonies controlled, almost completely controlled the colonial assemblies. Manumission is a term that refers to a grant of legal freedom to an individual slave. Manumission was more common in Brazil and Spanish and French colonies rather than in English colonies. Um, and it was more, manumission was more often given in the Caribbean than in the North American colonies. So how is manumission gotten? Most often, uh, slaves could have bought their own freedom, but other times it was uh, through a female slave having sex with her master, or sometimes a master would free the children of his mistress um, or grant them manumission uh, because so that they could be free because they're half black, half white. Um, also known as Creole. By the late 1700s, um, free blacks make up a large amount of the black people in Brazil and in French colonies. Maroon um, is the name of a slave who ran away from his master, and maroons make, made up communities of runaways. These also constitute free blacks. Um, Maroons were numerous in Jamaica and Hispaniola. Uh, The Maroons often signed treaties for their freedom with the Spanish, Dutch, and Portuguese, and what they promised in return was not getting new runaways from their plantations and also not encouraging slave revolts. So this often was a good thing for a Maroon to sign such a treaty. 
All right, now we'll talk about creating the Atlantic economy. In the 1500s, as you remember previously, the Atlantic trade was dominated by Spanish um, silver and gold ships. So Spanish was after a gold garden glory. But now in the 1600s and 1700s, sugar ships and the African slave trade are dominating the Western world. Um, the plantation system um, saw new economic institutions and new partnerships between private investors and government institutions in Europe and also relations between European and African merchants and all of these factors are now making up the Atlantic economy. Um, uh, this is an example of how European capitalist uh, relationships were reshaping the world. So Europe was having such a huge influence on both the New World um, and all the Amerindian lives, as well as all of the African continent. They were having a huge impact. So capitalism and mercantilism. In the 1400s and 1500s, many Spanish-Portuguese voyages um, were government ventures, and they tried to use um, royal monopolies to restrict the overseas trade of their colonies. But monopoly control was very expensive and inefficient. The growth of the Atlantic economy played an important role in the development of modern capitalism. And this is the economic system of large financial, financial institutions such as banks, stock exchanges, investment companies, and investment companies that first developed in early modern Europe. Um, capitalism is also made up through the expansion of credit and the development of large financial financial institutions. Uh, this is different, though, uh, distinct from commercial capitalism, because commercial capitalism is the trading system of the early modern economy. Um, and it's different than industrial capitalism, because industrial capitalism is a system based on machine production. So... After 1650, um, sugar is often is king, and it yields for higher and more reliable yield than any other cash crop, so many plantations are switching to sugar. Important innovations are private banks that are getting developed, joint stock companies, speculative markets in shares, in shares and commodities, and also commercial insurance, so that people were more likely to um, invest and make overseas trips and be insured for it. The English and the Dutch led the commercial expansion and also enjoyed most of the benefits of it. Uh, uh, Spain, Portugal, and France, on the other hand, changed more slowly. Um, they mostly retained their state control of commerce until into the 1700s, when they began to, began to adopt the English and Dutch changes. So... European empires sought to monopolize the profits that they produced in their colonies by controlling trade and accumulating capital in the form of silver and gold. This system is known as mercantilism. Mercantilist po policies discourage trade with foreign merchants, especially in the colonies. The result is that European goods brought into the colonies brought more money into the colonies, and um, it also made the American co goods brought into Europe worth less money. So you can see how Europe was trying to exploit uh, the colonies. Chartered companies were a very important part of mercantilistic capitalism. In 1602, Netherlands gave the Dutch East India Company a monopoly over trade in the Indian Ocean. So this meant that they basically had the upper hand in this trade now over the Portuguese, which were, which um, before had were most involved with the Indian Ocean trade. 
1672, a charter puts all English trade with Africa into the hands of a new company known as the Royal African Company, or RAC. It's a trading company that was chartered by the English government in 1672 to conduct its merchants' trade on the Atlantic coast of Africa. Um, it had its headquarters at Cape Coast Castle um, in the south of Africa. Jean-Baptiste de Colbert, who was uh, King Louis XIV's uh, Minister of Finance from 1661 to 1668, chartered the French East India Com- and the French East India Company as well as the French West India Company. Um, this was an effort to expel the Dutch and English traders from French colonies, which were also getting encroached upon. Uh, the French and English governments both used military force to gain trading advantages in America. Um, the larger English and French navies ultimately were able to defeat the Dutch and drive the Dutch uh, West India Company uh, into bankruptcy. Then, the English and French limited the privileges of their own charter companies, which um, spurred competition among the na- nation's own citizens. So once the French are out, the Dutch and Eng- I mean sorry, once the Dutch are out, the French and English start to get competitive within themselves. In the 1660s, England England passed a series of navigation acts that confined trade with its colonies just to English ships and cargoes. Um, a similar effort was made in 1698 when the French mercantilist legislation known as the Exclusif was passed. Uh, these mercantilist laws sought to protect national manu- manufacturing and agricultural interests from the competition of the colonies. The result is that Africa became that I'm sorry, the result is that the Atlantic became Britain, France, and Portugal's most important overseas trading areas. Um, the Dutch were now kind of out of the picture. They relied more on Asian trade. On to the Atlantic Circuit. The heart of the trading system is the clockwise network of sea routes with three legs. The first is the Atlantic Circuit. This is the network of trade routes connecting Europe, Africa, and the Americas. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, this is not the first leg. The Atlantic Circuit is just the name of this. So it's the network of trading routes connecting Europe, Africa, and the Americas. The first leg of this this Atlantic Circuit is Europe to Africa. This was where European products like metals, hardware, and guns were brought to Africa in exchange for West African gold, ivory, ivory, timber, and mainly slaves. Then the next leg of the Atlantic Circuit is the Middle Passage. Uh, This is the part of the Atlantic Circuit involving the transportation of enslaved Africans across the Atlantic to the Americas. And the third leg is when the colonial goods were brought back to Europe. Um, Profit sometimes became loss uh, due to shipwrecks, deaths, piracy, and other risks included in the journey. Um, You should note that the Atlantic Circuit is one of many. So ships going from Europe to the Indian Ocean, for example, also made um, a different pattern of stops along the way, too. But many routes were a lot more direct, too. Um, Triangular trade is a term that refers to a trade that the Rhode Island and Massachusetts partook in. It brought rum to West Africa, then slaves to the West Indies, and then molasses and rum back to England. 
European investment capital, manufactured goods, and shipping dominated this Atlantic system. Uh, the West Indies included Cuba, and they imported a half half of the tens of millions of slaves imported via the Middle Passage. Um, in the 1600s, the mercantilist policies put, put the Atlantic slave trade into the hands of chartered companies. Uh, there were many factors that contributed to making voyages non-profitable. An example is mutinies. Um, these slave mutinies resulted in severe punishment. Um, fixed melancholy is a term that refers to the deep psychological depressions that some slaves developed. Um, this was a huge problem for, for people who owned these slaves because some refused to eat and even willed themselves to death. Um, despite their, uh, despite owners and owners' attempt at force feeding them, most deaths in the Middle Passage though were were a result of disease. Think dysentery, smallpox, and the unsanitary nature of the ship made disease spread extremely fast. All right, moving on to Africa, the Atlantic, and Islam, the Gold Coast, and the Slave Coast. After sixteen fifty, African trade really mushroomed. Um, especially because of the slave trade. African kings and merchants sold slaves at many sites, yet the Royal African Company, RAC, still made 40% of its profits from gold and ivory and timber from 1672 to 1753, which is surprising because that was the peak of when the African slave trade was, yet it only made up 60% of their profits, or of the RAC's profits. Uh, Africans were very specific for the type and quality of goods that they wanted. Um, they kind of were the ones who were calling the shots with the Europeans, and they traded on their terms. The Europeans weren't even allowed to colonize Africa, and even though each nation did build trading castles on the coast. Africans' uh, popular exports were textiles, hardwares, no, I'm sorry, they're popular imports. What they liked to import were textiles, hardware, weaponry, as well as tobacco and rum. Um, the live empires um, the live empires of West Sudan, Oyoand. Oh, I'm sorry. The live em epics no, I'm sorry. The live empires of West Sudan, Oyo, and Asante grew more powerful powerful from external trade, but they did not depend on it. Um, it wasn't such a major part of their economy. So um, where did these African people get their... Where was the source of their slaves? Uh, most often, these were prisoners of war. Yet sadly, the wars and conquest, um, the main impetus of them was the slave trade. So... That's how they got their slaves. All right, the blight, the bite of Af, the bite of Biafra, and Angola. In the seventeen hundreds, the slave trade expanded east to the bite of Biafra. And for those of you who don't know, a bite means uh, B I G H T means um the like the inland the inland coast or an inlet. In gold and and the slave coasts, there were large kingdoms that dominated. But in the Bight of Biafra, there were no large states. Instead, there was a network of markets and inla inland routes, routes which um which regional merchants obtained, which was a place where regional merchants obtained debtors, um the kidnapped and criminals for the slave trade. 
Portugal was the only country to own substantial territory in Africa, probably because they were the first ones there. Um, they lived at the main ports of Luanda and Benguela, so they had an advantage. African states and kingdoms expanded, which bolstered the slave which bolstered the slave trade. Um, giant federations of Lunda, Lunda kingdoms snatched slaves from really far away. The common trend was that people from inland or the hinterland were, um, were famished and they came to the coast as refugees to get better water. And these people were then under control of the coast kingdoms, which was very bad for them. Powerful African leaders gained control of these refugees, like I said, um, the children and the older women refugees were very valued for what they, well, the children brought potential to the, or young, young, um, healthy, pe- healthiness to the colonies, and the older women had skills such as weaving that were very valued by the leaders, but the adult males were not valued because they were considered the most likely to escape or challenge the ruler's authority, so they were often sold as slaves. The Africans who gained from this type of trading were the rich and powerful few, Um, yet not many people did gain from this, many more lost. Africa's European and Islamic contacts. So up to 1800, the Africans um, ceded very little territory to the Europeans, as I mentioned. They They kept very close tabs on their ports. Uh, the Europeans established colonial beachheads only in two places, and this was the Portuguese Portuguese colony of Angola, and the West and the, I mean sorry the Dutch East India Company's Cape Colony, um, in South Africa, Dutch Dutch um East so the Dutch were tried tried to, um were tied to the Indian Ocean trade through this southern colony and they didn't even export slaves from it so you can see how little the slave trade is allowing the Europeans actually to be in into Africa in the 1500s the Islamic Ottoman Empire annexed all of North Africa except Morocco the Songa Empire of West Africa um challenged the status quo by pushing its frontier into the Sahara from the south. The Songha Kingdom was a people, a language, a kingdom, and an empire in West Africa. At its peak, the Muslim, the Muslim Songha, Songhai Empire um, was from the Atlantic all the way to Hausa, and it was a major player in the trans-Saharan trade. Um, so the Songha Empire was ruled by indigenous Muslim dynasties, so it was both African and Muslim, although it was indigenous. In 1591, though, it was defeated by Morocco. The Hausa are, is an important term for its, its trading cities in, in the central... Where for, okay, the Hausa is important because Hausa's trading cities in central Sudan attracted much of the trade caravans that were coming up from the Sahara, possibly from the Songha Empire. The Hausa was an agricultural and trading people of central Sudan located in West Africa. They were briefly a part of the Songhai Empire. And they, the Hausa remained, Hausa remained autonomous until captured by the Sokoto Caliphate in the 1800s. So they were um, self-ruling for a very long time. African slaves were brought into the Islamic world in very great numbers. Um, Moroccans didn't really use them as the same as they were used in the colonies. They used them as armies. Um, yet they were also put on sugar plantations, used as artisans, and also servants. 
The majority of African slaves into the Islamic world were women. They were brought to wealthy households as concubines, servants, or entertainers. Um, the central Sudanese kingdom of Bornu was a powerful West African kingdom at the southern edge of the Sahara in central Sudan, which was and Bornu, Bornu was a very important um, in trans-Saharan trade and also in the spread of Islam. It lasted an incredibly long time, from 800 to 1800. So Bornu, this Sudanese kingdom, lasted for a thousand years. And Bornu was also a Muslim state, so it was influenced from the people to its east. Uh, like Christians, Muslims saw no moral impediments to owning or trading slaves. In fact, they even were as ridiculous to see it as a meritorious act because they were bringing these pagan slaves to their religion. So they considered themselves good in some cases. Um, Islamic beliefs and practices, as well as legal and administrative systems, were a huge influence in African trading cities on the southern edge of Sahara and on the Swahili coast. Um, Islam did affect rural people's lives, but it was mainly spread um, in the urban urban uh, situations. European cultural influence on Africa, though, was very limited. Only Angola had uh, Angola, which was owned by Portugal, had a significant number of Christians. Um, Philippe Quaque was a young man sent by an African merchant who was his father to the to Europe to learn um in European to learn European ways. He was he was ordained in England and became the official chaplain of Cape Coast Castle. Uh, but this is just one extreme example of Africans wanting to learn about European ways. This is actually not that common at all. Um, so differences and similarity, what were the differences and similarities in the material effects of Europe and Islam? Um, well, European trade got larger through, um, through the materials being sent. Um, but what were the effects on the Africa? What, what were the effects of Africa's population? Well, number one, three things. Number one, sub-Saharan populations still remained very large. Um, so the slave trade didn't really take away as much population as you would expect. Number two, localities that contributed heavily to the slave, t- slave trade had a- acute losses. So these certain places did have extreme losses, even though they didn't make an overall um, net loss. Um, and number three, the ability of a population to recover from losing people depends on the proportion of fertile women who are shipped away. So it could be likely, to, you, could, you would be likely to infer that an African colony who traded with um, Muslim states was more likely to not recover than African uh, states who traded with uh, the Atlantic colonies or with the Europeans, I mean. Um, so some imported products actually stimulated the local production of tools and clothing. So perhaps the Africans, I guess the Europeans would like to think that they inspired African um, production. Um, but most of the benefits of the, tr- of the making taxes on trade uh, went to the Europeans. So obviously they were, uh, goods and stuff were taxed on both sides. But the Europeans were only the ones who really profited from this. Um, Europe's America colonies um, obviously were the ones who benefited overall the most from the African slave trade. It really didn't do that much good for Africans. Um, the rapid expansion of Western capitalism in the 1600s and 1700s in a period that witnessed the decline of the Ottoman Empire. Um, 
and the Ottoman Empire was declining both politically and economically. So the Western capitalism is kind of uh, filling in the place, fill, filling in in place of this decline. Um, so thank you for listening. That was chapter 18, the Atlantic system in Africa from 1550 to 1800. Um, I hope that was, uh, I hope that was entertaining and educational because, uh, of course, talking about slavery is not the most pleasant thing. It's kind of a sad time in our European history and in the history of the world. But thanks for listening. See you next time.